Emmy award-winning actress Cynthia Nixon talks about her new role as First Lady Nancy Reagan, why Miranda and Sex in the City are still so relevant, and much more. This is Pop Culture Confidential. Hi, welcome back to the show. I'm Christina Yerling Biru. This week, I'm very excited to be joined by Cynthia Nixon, whose acting career is really an amazing kaleidoscope of female characters, and who now set aside politics to play her spot-on portrayal of Nancy Reagan in the National Geographic's movie Killing Reagan. Cynthia Nixon started acting at a very early age. She was only 12 years old. And in college, she had already starred in two hit Broadway plays directed by none other than Mike Nichols. We've seen her in Amadeus, The Pelican Brief, James White, and she's played Eleanor Roosevelt and Emily Dickinson. But it's probably her portrayal of the glamorous lawyer Miranda on Sex and the City for which she is most widely known and beloved, and for which she won an Emmy in 2004. It's a role and character that still resonates with many generations of viewers. In 2006, Cynthia Nixon was diagnosed with breast cancer, a disease her mother also had battled. After completing treatment, Miss Nixon became a tireless advocate and an ambassador for the Susan G. Komen Foundation. Now, Cynthia Nixon is taking on a new challenging role, playing First Lady Nancy Reagan in the National Geographic television movie Killing Reagan. It's based on the best-selling book and also stars West Wing alum Tim Matheson as Ronald Reagan. The movie charts the events of the assassination attempt on the president in 1981, a time that really doesn't seem all that long ago but still a world away and where security seemed much less of a concern. The movie follows the Reagans as they take office and the Jodie Foster-obsessed John Hinckley and the assassination attempt that shook the world. Our eyes were fixed on bigger things. First, the election. Then, the Soviets. I wish I'd seen it coming, my love. No one can say what would have happened if I had been the perfect son, the perfect student. No one can say what would have happened if I didn't pull the trigger. And just like that, our lives changed forever because of me. I started by asking Cynthia Nixon what she had learned about how Nancy Reagan viewed her role as first lady during those first years in office. You know, Nancy Reagan sees the role of the first lady so very differently than I would see it, for example, if I was the first lady. Mm -hmm. um, I think she, she felt that her job was her, her job was to look great, you know, and to make sure that people um, admired the president and the first lady and looked up to them almost more in a way that I would think of, of, of royalty, mm. you know, rather than a democratically elected. And I think that Nancy was very taken with the... Uh, the royalty of other nations and, you know, like an admirer of, um, not, you know, the Marcoses, you know, right. and uh, certainly the British royal family and that kind of, um, kind of ostentatious show of wealth. I think she thought that was terrific and very impressive and that, and that, and that um, the population liked to see that in their leaders. And to a certain extent, 
That's true. People often do like to see it, like we like to see it in our movie stars. We like to see all their fancy clothes and stuff. Um, but I think, of course, that many people don't, and many people find that inappropriate, um, particularly in a in a you know democratically elected president in a bad financial time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, how did you personally approach um, researching and, and um, studying about her before you started? So I read. I started with her book that she wrote that she brought out shortly after they left the White House, um, and then I uh, then I read her daughter's book, um, which I found very very moving actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, of course, interesting to read these two very different accounts of what life was like in the Reagan family, um, you know, often describing the same events, but describing them in very, very different ways. Uh, and then I read Kitty Kelly's book, and I read uh, Peggy Noonan's book. Peggy Noonan had been Reagan's most celebrated speechwriter. Uh, and then I, you know, and I watched some of her films, and I watched, um, you know, uh, you know, her on Johnny Carson and and things like that. And her, there are not a lot of television interviews of Nancy. I think she mostly avoided them. Um, but, but yeah, I think she really felt that it was her job to look great, and uh, you know that she knew that a lot of power came from that. And that she, I think she really looked down on the previous administration, on the on, the, on Jimmy Carter and Rosalind Carter for mm-hmm. how how down to earth they were in their in their appearance. Um, I think she thought that was a bad mistake. One of the things I thought was astounding in in the series, watching it now, well, that really struck me is how much security must have changed today. It doesn't seem that long ago. How? Did, what did you think about revisiting that time? Uh, yeah, well, it was kind of astonishing to me how, uh, you know, of course, you know, I was, a, I was a teenager when, when Ronald Reagan was in office, was elected. And it, it is amazing to me, I'm 50, and it's amazing to me how this is so much, not even in my, I mean, it's, it, it, I was, I was almost an adult, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so how, how much I remember it, but again, how, how long ago it was and how different the world was. I mean, it's, it, 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 I found it really, I found it shocking. Yeah, it really was me too. It feels like yesterday and was like, wow, people are just walking into the hotel and, and yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. And I think, and it, it, it was interesting too that, um, you know, they said that, that he would, you know, people weren't wearing their, uh, you know, bulletproof vests. Mm-hmm. The president wasn't, the Secret Service weren't, because, and they said, because it wasn't a very important speech. Right. Like, right. Wow, I mean, what a funny, what a funny calculation. But, but yes, I think it did, it certainly did change the way, uh, yes, it, it, it massively changed security, and of course it really changed the way uh, Nancy thought about what Ron should be able to do and go where he should be able to go and and right. the, and and I think she thought she was very very grateful to the secret service and I think she always loved having the secret service both when she was the governor's wife in California and also when she was the first lady right, but right. I think she also felt I can't just rely on other people to take care of it because we have you know 
it's got to be an effort that everybody pitches in about. Is there something in this election cycle, maybe even putting politics aside, that we can learn from Nancy Reagan? In this election cycle that we can learn from Nancy Reagan, I don't think so. <laughs> I think we can learn a lot. I think we can learn a lot from Ronald Reagan in this election cycle. Okay. I think we can learn from Ronald Reagan that you know he had this thing about he had this which we show in the film this little sign that he kept on his desk about basically a lot can be achieved if you're not squabbling over who gets the credit for it. Right. And I think that that's something that, that Washington and the Republican Party in particular, but Washington in general, really needs to, to try and learn better because they're doing a terrible job of it in terms of making sure that nothing moves forward because, God forbid, the other guy should have their agenda addressed. Um, and people like government when government does things, you know, and, and, and is not caught in a, in a, you know, gridlock. Um, and I think that, again, you know, Ronald Reagan saying, why would I not negotiate with the other side if I can get 75% of what I want? Right. You know, nothing is perfect. You can't always get your agenda, but just, you know, taking your, taking your toys and going home in a snit is not good for you as a politician, and it's certainly not good for the American public. And I think, you know, look, Reagan, Reagan formed an alliance with the Russians. We ought to be able to form alliances with the other political party and get things done. One of the funny things I stumbled upon when I was reading about you this week for the interview was that when you won your Emmy in 2004, it was actually Donald Trump who was the presenter yes. and gave you the Emmy. Do you remember that? Yes. I, I had not remembered it, but somebody had shown me a clip of it recently. Yes, so now I, now I do remember it. It's funny. You started your career very early. You were 12, but you've picked some incredibly interesting multi-layered women, Nancy Reagan now, Eleanor Roosevelt, Emily Dickinson, and of course, um, Miranda. I still know teenagers today which, from which she resonates. Why do you think that is? Uh, I think that one of the thing that the show did that was so important, other than show female friendship, mm-hmm. which I think is really important, really? Uh, I think it showed that women weren't necessarily all about when they were going to get married, you know, <laughs> and that they actually had a kind of a, an ambivalent, many of us have an ambivalent relationship to marriage and what, what marriage means for, for you and your career. And, um, but I think that Miranda in particular is a type of modern woman that, that you know, like many modern women, she works way too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's exhausted. She's stressed out. Um, she sometimes doesn't know why she's working so hard and doesn't enjoy life as much as she should. But I think one of the things also is that she had no real idea that she would become a mother. Mm. You know, it was just something she really had never thought about. And then when it happened to her, she wasn't really good at it mm-hmm. at first. Um, I think she became good at it, and I think she was very lucky in that her child's father was, was, was more naturally good at it. Uh, but I think we don't see that a lot. No, you very know? interesting we topics. Just, we, have, we have this myth that somehow 
all women want to have children and that when they have them, it's just going to be the, the crowning achievement of their lives and they're just going to have a natural aptitude for it. And, and, and many women don't, and certainly many men don't, right. but we're much, we're much more, we, we take that much more in stride with men. And so I think that, that, that Miranda sort of showed that dirty little secret, which doesn't get a lot of airplay because I think as a culture, uh, you know, we have this anxiety, like if moms don't love being moms, oh my God, we can't even think about that. Exactly. So I think that showed some of the reality of that. This is so frustrating. Eventually. No, not that. This. This is frustrating. I can't follow your thoughts. It's all about nursing and nipples. Well, sweetie, they're looking right at me. I am not going to become one of those mothers who cannot carry on an adult conversation. I am not. Three weeks ago, I would have been listening to you and saying funny things back, and now I'm going, what? What? I didn't even get the anorexic joke. How easy was that? Miranda, I'm just talking. This is blah, blah. It's just words. No, they're not just words. They're your words. And it's not just now. What about Samantha? Could she have gotten me into that cab any faster? Carrie, my friendships are important to me. You played her a TV character for, for quite a long time, which I guess you don't do, of course, when you do a movie role. Did she sort of change with you? Definitely. I mean, I think that, I think she, when, when we started the series, I don't think I was very like her, actually. I, but um, I think I became more like her. I mean, as I, as I grew up and matured. But I also think the thing that inevitably happens on it. I, I think I became more outspoken and I think I became more confident. But I think the other thing that happens in a TV series that goes on for any length of time is the writers, the writers get to know you really well. And they start putting more and more of who you are into the part because they think that's going to be interesting to watch, you know, and because they know that truth is always more interesting than fiction, you know. And um, so, yes, so I think I became more like her, and she definitely became more like me. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and you're an incredible activist and have gone through it yourself. Um, Would you mind if I ask you what you would say to someone today who just got the the diagnosis? Yes, I would say it it is not a death sentence, far from it, and that breast cancer is the most most beatable kind of cancer. And, uh, you know, the best thing you can, you know, what's important, certainly what's important in, in detection is to get your mammograms very faithfully mm-hmm. and not, not be too afraid to get them because the only thing to really be afraid of is that <laughs> you put them off and then you catch it later than you should. If you catch breast cancer early enough, there's, you know, it's like a 97% survival rate. Um, and I would just say, you know, make sure you like your doctor and make sure you agree with what he or, he or she is telling you. And if you don't like them, find another one. And, you know, you don't have to radically change your life, you know, but, but if there are things you're doing that you, people are telling you, particularly in terms of eating or drinking that are or that are that are negatives in terms of your avoiding a recurrence or mm-hmm. you know you know make some changes you don't have to you don't have to turn your life upside down but 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 make make a change that you think you can that you can achieve and then if you've got that one under your belt make another one 
Don't set don't set goals that are too high. You don't be like I will never eat meat or sugar again. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? If you're if you're a carnivore who likes dessert, like make make changes make changes that that are realistic. And what is your next project? Right. So I have this film, and I have the Emily Dickinson one that I'm going around to various film festivals now promoting, and that will come out in the you know the spring of of next year. Uh, it's called A Quiet Passion. It's by Terrence Davies. And um, so there's that. And then um, I have a play that I'm, I mean, sorry, a movie that I'm connected to called Columbia, mm-hmm. um, which is um, me and Dennis O'Hare and Amy Ryan and Anna Paquin and Brian Dennehy. So we're going to, we're going to, there's still the financing is all coming together, but we're supposed to shoot that in January. And uh, and then I'm doing a, a play on Broadway uh, with Laura Linney, uh, a, a, a revival of The Little Foxes. And she and I are um, are doing the two main female leads in in rep with each other. So another incredible Regi- female lead. Yeah, half the time she's Regina and I'm Birdie, and half the time she's Birdie and I'm Regina. So, oh, that's cool. You're keeping busy, yeah. most certainly. Yeah. <laughs> Miss yeah. Nixon, thank you so much for your time and good luck with all of these. Thanks so much. Thank you so much to Cynthia Nixon. Killing Reagan airs on October 16th in the U.S. on the National Geographic Channel and in 170 countries going forward, including National Geographic Sweden in January. Please follow us here on Pop Culture Confidential on Instagram, Twitter, and at popcultureconfidential.com. And leave us some feedback on iTunes. This show was edited by Tom Hansen, the music by Carl Boy, and produced by Renee Wittestedt and myself. I'm Christina Jörling-Biro. Thanks so much for listening. Hello, everyone. My name is Matt Neglia, and I am the host of the Next Best Picture podcast, part of the Film Entertainment Awards website, nextbestpicture.com. On our show, we explore all year long what is possibly going to win Best Picture at the Oscars. We do this by conducting interviews with people within the film industry, holding weekly reviews of the latest theatrical releases, and on our main show, where we dive into various different topics, answer your fan questions, and also do our best to explore Oscar history's past in hopes that it will tell us something new for this upcoming award season race. We hope that you will join us on all of the various podcasting networks. We look forward to seeing you over at nextbestpicture.com. 